Hello, this is Sasha. This is Steven. And this is Shut Up, I Love It. A podcast where we invite our guests to come on and defend an aspect of culture that they feel is underrated or underappreciated. Joining us today, he is Scott Tamil. Scott is a member of our improv direct-to-video. Yet I wouldn't describe him as a comedian per se. That's what I was thinking about on the way over here was what is what is the noun that you use to describe Scott? Scott, any suggestions? What? How do you describe yourself like when you go home and your family members are like, oh, how's it going in LA? You know, what do you say? I just kind of mumble and uh, it's fine. Okay, so that's what this episode of the podcast is going to be like. A lot of mumbling. <laughs> Scott, what have you brought with you to defend slash praise slash spend an hour of your life talking about? Well, we're here to talk about the band The Offspring. Mm, the pop punk late 90s, early 2000s staple The Offspring. rebellious youth no not particularly or so, not at all which one is it <laughs> well i didn't get good grades i mean i was but like, was that an act of rebellion or was that because you're stupid uh i would say it was more <laughs> uh act of laziness which i guess could be act a little of laziness bit, sounds like a good oxymoron. which which is a well uh, <laughs> but a little bit of a rebellion because i was just like i don't like school what's the point where i Teachers would say, Scott, you're smarter than this. Just try harder. Because they knew I was... Let me say, as a teacher, that's something you say to the kid who's not smarter than you. Oh, okay. You know, I spent six years working in a high school, and I told a lot of kids who were not smarter than that that they were smarter than that. Okay. Well, you know, Scott, look, you've you've grown into the pants, whatever, the pants that you have. I don't know. I just made up an expression. The smarty you pants. Grow, you grew into your pants, Scott, and no one can deny that. You are smart. Um, no, wow. yeah, you're a bright Thanks. guy. You're. A, you wouldn't be here if you weren't. No, Sasha and I would not choose to spend time with you. We turned down the non-smart ones. Mm-hmm. A lot of not smart people come to us <laughs> asking us, can we be on the episode? And we say, no, we don't even think you should be able to reproduce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is how our podcast <laughs> has become about eugenics. Um <laughs> So anyway, this is Steven's version. I of want humor. to talk about eugenics. Uh, no, Scott. Uh, I should we, look, should we put I it think... as a tag, eugenics? When I when I when I post it on that, that'll get it mature. Do. That'll make I it like do. you know a mature podcast. So you know, explicit or explicit, yeah. Is mature eugenics... or something else? Oh, I see. In this PC world, eugenics is a dirty word. Scott, mature is the porn you watch. <laughs> it's different. Yeah, and that's was the original <laughs> topic I was going to defend. <laughs> Is okay. I think it's beautiful when a woman teaches a young Hey, man. Elizabeth Shue in The Boys is hot. I I like Elizabeth Shue. Now that I know she's on The Boys, maybe I'll watch it. Scott, I have... The Boys. The Boys, the Amazon I, original series, The yeah, Boys. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Already renewed Not, for a second season, Carl really? Urban. Yeah. 
not the TBS sitcom My Boys. Or mm-hmm. the film Good Boys, which probably is good. I haven't seen it. It is. Or, or, or it And is. it's not like the prequel or sequel to Jersey Boys. Or a great <laughs> improv band or team called Them Pizza Boys. Mm-hmm. Any more boys? Uh, there's a Patreon podcast uh, with a couple, a few UCB comedians called Action Boys that I subscribe to. That I really true. like that, too. There's also Dough Boys, another Doe boys. Uh, comedy podcast. Mm-hmm. Beastie Boys. Is it, is it Action <laughs> Boys and Girls? That's yeah. Action Boys. That's Action Boys? I thought yeah. it was Action Boys and Girls. What do I know? I don't listen to that podcast. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> if you remember me, I remember you. Getting back to our conversation. I actually had trouble finding exactly what the genre is of this band. I mean, certainly sure. it's rock band. But sometimes you would see it described as neo-punk. Sometimes it would be described as punk. And sometimes it would be just described as hard rock. This is a period of music where actual punk was not really being made anymore, right? Scott, would you agree? Yeah. Like, this is where punk started to be commodified Um, uh, in a way that the original punk bands uh, would have been disgusted at, right? Right, well, this is the whole, like, explosion of what was labeled punk was was controversial in, like, the mid-'90s, early mid-'90s, because then you had older punks being like this isn't punk and then Mm -hmm. you see that just going forward i mean any sort of genre that's labeled punk you see that now where even if you go on like youtube you look at a comment and you're like oh this was the good old days of punk and it's like 2001 and you're like all right like (laughs) it's like the later blink 182 days or something so it's just for whatever However old you are is kind of what you view as that. I wouldn't say that because I love the Ramones. I'm just going to start with that. I love the Ramones and their heyday was in the 70s, right? That's true. You know, there's there's exceptions, I guess. I think Scott is generally right that your generational reference frame is kind of like going to set your personal standards. I don't like that many contemporary musical acts. Uh, but if I did, you know, I would I'd probably be into things that were popular when I was young. Scott, why do you think The Offspring, which is admittedly a rather popular band, at, at least at the time, why do you think they're a good fit for our purview here on Shut Up, I Love It? And quickly, they have sold over 40 million records worldwide, being considered one of the best-selling punk rock bands of all time, Scott. What were you thinking coming in here? I was Now, I was not taking as aggressive a tone, but now that Sasha is, yeah, I'm on board. What were you thinking? Well, a lot of bands don't... Uh, or, or like a band that I will compare them to is Green Day, which I think is held in a higher regard. I mm. think they've won Grammys. Mm. Generally, I... And I did an informal poll at my workplace. Like, what do you think? How of... many people participated? Please. I need the stats. Probably about a dozen. Was it double blind or single blind? Uh, no blind. Wow. Um, but, uh, but they, if I asked them, like, what is your opinion? And I kind of just did the, like, generally favorable, favorable, not favorable, or, you know, no answer or whatever. Most are not favorable because I think... They're viewed as a little bit of a joke, like a joke band, and they kind of, at the height of their career, uh, commercially, kind of became, I feel, known as more of like, these guys are just goofballs. Where do you work, Scott? Uh, I work at Fandango. 
the movie ticket company. Movie people don't like the offspring, and that's what we're learning here today. Scout, for the boomers and the zoomers in the audience, what are some of the most popular offspring songs that maybe they've heard uh, before? Well, I feel like the boomers would definitely know because... You know, they'd be listening to the radio. That was the only way they could hear music, you know? they were So when they were driving their kids to school in the 90s, they yeah. were hearing songs like... Like, Come Out and Play. You gotta keep them separated. On file sharing sites, that's often a mislabeled song. You know, when I was downloading them on Napster, you would often see, wow. keep them separated. <laughs> you sure you want to say that? I guess probably the statute of limitations is passed on that. Well, Napster is going to come up here later in the show. And I think it should. They will come on uh... to the show. We'll have a Napster representative in this room right now. Uh, yeah, you know, self-esteem. live in the Los Angeles area and you listen to the popular rock stations like 98.7 and K-Rock 106.7 I believe they play these songs still a lot if you live in Southern California and listen to popular rock radio you will think the offspring are still pretty popular I'm certainly for me a huge touchstone from my childhood was the inimitable tune pretty fly for a white guy mm-hmm. <laughs> white guy we have to stop here for a second and by stop i mean talk about the guy from the video i now i didn't watch the pretty fly for a white guy video i i I mean i i watched it in my youth but i did not re-watch it for this his name is guy cohen and there was like a ucb link like he's a ucb person so upright citizens brigade theater person and i want to read his bio because i just feel like it's important he began his acting career in 1998 by starring in the Offsprings music video Pretty Fly for a White Guy. In 1999, he toured with the Offspring around the United States and beyond. <laughs> toured with the Offspring? Like, <laughs> that's, so when, that's they, when they played Pretty Fly for a White Guy, would he just come out on stage? They will say when they were casting it, they wanted Seth Green. Mm. Mm. And he has a very Seth Greeny vibe from... Can't hard circa can't hardly wait, hmm. you know. So he, and this and this song, is the one that I kind of feel helped cement them as like a kind of a jokey band because this is one of their most successful songs, one of the off one their second most successful album, and it kind of set the stage of like when you say the Offspring, you're like, oh, that's the pretty fly for a white guy band. Which I would say, if you the songs you listen to is not like any, not generally like any of their other songs. It's definitely worse than other even yes. other songs. Yes, and it's this. intentionally uh, 
being stupid. Now he's getting a tattoo, yeah, he's getting ink done. He asked for a 13, but they drew a 31. Friends say he's trying too hard, and he's not quite hip. But in his own mind, he's the, he's the dumbest trap. It was pre-9-11 is all I'm saying. We were sure. more innocent. You cannot write a song like Pretty Fly for, for a White Guy after the World Trade Center towers fell. It just... It's changed everything. Uh, other songs include Original Prankster. My favorite part of that song is Red Man appearing just to say the phrase Original Prankster. Mm-hmm. Original Prankster. So we were talking about Napster, though. They wanted to sell this the album of which Original Prankster was on on their website because they were pro-digital peer-to-peer network distribution. I remember this. And, you know, if you remember famously, Metallica was not. You yeah. know, they, they, they hated it because they needed to pay their bills, as they were saying. Uh, but anyways, Columbia, the record company, threatened to sue them if they were going to sell the album on their website. So that's pretty funny. Hmm. Pretty funny Snapchat where it's like, you do not sell it. You have to sell it in stores. That is a pretty funny Snapchat. I agree. Okay, Scott, let's take a... Why don't you tell me and Sasha why you... And the Napster representative. And the Napster representative in the room. Why Sean you... Parker. Continue to support these artists. Well, I mean, for starters, I think Dexter Holland, the lead singer of The Offspring, is a pretty interesting guy. Go ahead. Well, he just recently finished or defended his dissertation and he got his PhD from USC, I think within the last 18 months, because for the longest time he had put it on hold. Now, does because it of me- his music career. Does it mean that if he is, uh, quote-unquote, but maybe for real, scientist, does it mean that he's a good musician? <laughs> no, but uh, you asked why, why I continue to defend them. I feel like this is one interesting component of it. All he's right, a very smart guy. So you're obsessed with him. Guy. You're yeah. obsessed with him. I, I guess I am, yeah. And if you ever go to Wahoo's Fish and Tacos, yeah, uh, he has his own hot sauce brand. You can see the Gringo hot sauce. Gringo Bandito. Yes. Yeah, I yes. saw a commercial for that at Pavilions the other day. There was a TV oh, in really? the Pavilions, and they were playing a commercial for Gringo Bandito. Yeah, so he he has his own hot sauce. You know, he's a real renaissance man. But I mean, I, he's also a pilot. In November of 2004, Holland completed a 10-day solo flight around the world, or so he says. <laughs> is I mean, that I, what uh, your source said, or so he says? This might have been my editorial. Or is that your, that's your editorializing? <laughs> this might have been me not trusting the source. Well, yeah, and I just, the reason I defend, <laughs> uh, I guess I defend my fandom is because I felt for a while they were, you know, they're easy to make fun of, but they have catchy, uh, like, punk, pop, pop punk, whatever you want to call it, songs. A band that often comes up in the same conversation is Bad Religion, whose lead singer, by the way, also has a PhD. Uh, So maybe there's a thing with punk rock and, like, higher education, you know? The ultimate punk is being smart. (laughs) He's also an avid collector of stamps from the Mm -hmm. Isle of Man. Mm Mm-hmm. Other hobbies include He's surf. He's a big nerd. And then I went on Russian Wikipedia page because that's my new thing, guys. I go on Russian Wikipedia page and see if there's anything missing 
from the American page, but is present on the Russian page that you know fans might know about. And I'm usually getting some extra information. So what I learned is that Dexter Holland, believe it or not, Scott, is against tattoos, against them. Wow. He's against. And is he Jewish? No, I don't believe no. he is. And then the life that would explain it. And the lifestyle of those rock musicians, specifically those who abuse drugs, his anti-drugs. Yeah, his music is not sure. that good, so it's possible that he did it straight. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but they, it also this music was, you know, part of my childhood. There you go. Now we're digging deep. Now the therapy session can begin. Scott, when did you first become aware of your Oedipus <laughs> complex uh, <laughs> of the offspring? Uh, I, I would guess it would probably be around uh, 94. Okay. Is that, uh, so were you that in your the... 40s then? <laughs> yeah, I had just uh, gotten, your gotten discharged from the milita- military after fighting in the first Gulf War. <laughs> No, I mean I was uh, just a, a young boy, uh-huh. not not even ten years old at the time. Wow. Uh, it was ninety four, so this was at the point where Smash comes out, which is their biggest album. Uh, it's the, the third put, album, the one yes. that put him on the map, It right? put him on the map. You would not have heard of The Offspring unless you lived in, like, the greater Southern California area. So we, I listened to, Scott recommended a few things for us to listen to. Too many for my to. taste, but <laughs> hey. I listened to three full albums. I listened to Smash, which 94. is the album Scott's talking about right now. Mm-hmm. I listened to Ixnay on the Ombre, which 97. was the follow-up. And then Americana, which was the album that came after which that. Which was just a year later in 98. For some reason, I thought they were like 99, 2000, 2001. Well, it's interesting. No. They've been together for, what, 35 years, although the drama kept changing, right, a lot. Mm. But they, They've had you know, a lot of... Uh, it's like Spinal Tap. They've had some changes, but like the two, yeah, there's been a couple guys. Uh... And yet only nine albums. I mean, that's doesn't seem very prolific f- to me. I guess somebody was busy making those PhD things happen. <laughs> Wait, so Sasha, do you think he's in, the PhD is bullshit? No, because I don't know. You can read the dissertation online right now. But it's not, know. I mean, obviously I won't know but what the hell I'm reading. he wrote it? Well, it says he did and. <laughs> It, it's it's him titled. You we all know that just this year what kind of fishy stuff USC is getting into, and I I say that as an alumnus. So you know, who's to say that uh, Dexter Holland's parents didn't grease the wheels a little bit? So how did you, a boy in Minnesota, find them? You know, what what pre-te- you... Pre-teen. Pre-teen. Pre-pre-teen. Pre- not even 10 years pre-tween. old. Pre-tween. Pre-tween. Well, I think we were getting into it. You know, they got a lot of uh, MTV video mm. play. 
both self-esteem come out and play those got a lot of play on mtv and that was again coinciding with green day which uh dookie the album came out earlier in 94 just a couple months it felt like that album and then smash was getting played a lot on both the radio and the radio even in minnesota we were getting a couple of those songs and on mtv so that those two things were kind of combining to you know, make a young, impressionable youth think, oh, this is a catchy song. Oh, this is a fun video. I would say that Smash Smash is definitely the most raw of their albums, and it's the one, I think... Well, the most raw that you listen to. The first two sure, albums they right, had were right. definitely... I, I'm sure the, the ones before that are even more so. Smash is like the least jokey. Why did they turn themselves into such a farce? Well, I think... Well, I don't think it's a farce, but like, okay, so on Smash, there, there's a song called Bad Habit. Hey man, you know I'm really okay. Got in my hand, we'll tell you the same. But when I'm in my car, don't give me no crap, cause the slightest thing and I just might snap. This is my favorite song from all the songs I've listened to. It's about road rage. I freaking love that. It's such a good song written about road rage. And if you live in Southern California, I think you definitely can empathize more because it's about a a guy who's, you know, he says he gets cut off. It pisses him off. He opened, you know, direct quote here, open the glove box, reach inside, gonna wreck this fucker's ride. I've got a bad habit. talking about shooting it maybe you know definitely some serious road rage but maybe maybe he's got a can of uh shaving cream in the car he's gonna spray that that's gonna ruin the paint strip the paint right off if you take that song literally it's kind of a power trip kind of fun song but i also read it as kind of jokey in that like this is insane don't take this seriously I, I agree. Like, it de- like there's no denying in the next couple albums they get goofier. But I think it's just them having a sense of humor about their fame. This is also at a time where I would call it, like, pre... When getting called a sellout still was bad. Mm. Right now, it's like, you know, if you have a good song, or a popular song, I should say, you'll put it in a commercial right away. And there's bands that are, you know, popular big bands, or it's like indie bands that break big with a song. It's just about making money because it's hard to yeah. make money as a musician. But I think before, you know, file sharing really blew up, there was this idea that being called a sellout was bad. Uh, and that's not just uh, in punk, but you had someone like, I mean, this is a little bit later in the 90s, but Liz Fair comes to mind because she's like a very, considered like a very, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, like feminist songwriter, singer. And then she had a very pop album and it was like, Hey, she sold out. This is bad. Hmm. Her character is questionable now. And between Smash and Ixay on the Ombre, they switch from a indie record label to Columbia. So that's kind of like selling out already. And then you have people who like 
earlier iterations of like Southern California punk or just punk music in general saying like, this is not punk. The fact that they're even on the radio is not punk. So it just becomes this thing where they probably just were having fun. You know, they're making more money. They're goofing around a little bit more. Um, Scott, what do you think? So you mentioned that they, um, their albums start to get less jokey, right? Or more jokey. They, they, they don't take themselves as seriously. They don't take themselves super seriously, you know, like I'm sure they consider themselves musicians and stuff. They're not like, uh, me writing, uh, comedy songs in college that were barely music. Um, what, Mm -hmm. Do you think that that, and I'll say the second album that I listened to, Ixnay on the Ombre, the uh, intro kind of starts with, uh, it's they call it a disclaimer, and they say, you know, don't take any of this too seriously. Uh, if you're offended, just calm down. It's like, something like that. Scott, do you think that is a defense for things like misogyny? In songs like She's Got Issues or... She's Unstable or... Yeah, there's a bunch of different ways they're calling women. <laughs> she's Got Issues especially is a, is a song about um, how women just kind of need to get over themselves. <laughs> I'm seeing this girl and she just might be out of her mind well, She's got baggage and So, uh, Scott just shrugged, which I don't know what that means. Uh, why don't you get a job? Which I have to stop right there. Why don't you get a job? Draw attention to its close similarity to the song Obladi. Oh, how do you say that? Obladi. Obladi. Oblada. As multiple music that writers pointed by some out. hacks, though. Yeah, hacks, who even wrote that? The Beatles. I mean, in the song, uh, Why Don't You Get a Job, they have both the male and the female perspective in that. They spend, like, one line establishing this quote-unquote boyfriend who is who doesn't get a job, but they spend, like, two verses on this woman who won't get off her ass and make some money. Okay. Uh, I you don't mean, have to take it personal, Scott. She, Scott, I'm just asking... I, I don't asked th- you a question. I'm Why trying to answer. answer it? <laughs> I'm trying to answer. I mean, the song "She's Got Issues." You know, I, I, I guess uh, maybe she did have issues. I don't know. I haven't really listened to that song a lot, so I can't remember. Deflecting. If you have the lyrics, I, I, that'd be fine. But um, I don't have the lyrics. Uh, but that. I, you know, it doesn't give them a free pass. But I think, by and large, you'd really have to. Um, kind of go through all their lyrics and, you know, take things ultra seriously. And, and that kind of goes back to, like, I guess, like, general punk music ethos, which is, 
uh, or just rock music in general or music in general. It's about a persona. Uh, culture. The world. Yeah. Humanity. No, no. I mean, like, I mean, you look at, uh, like, God. If you, yes, you look at rock music, you look at rap music. It's a lot of, if I'm saying this word correctly, braggadocio. Braggadocio. You know, and there's a lot of, uh, like, you know, uh, fantasy wish fulfillment and joking around. Uh, so, you know, I think, again, they're kind of always leaning into a little bit of, like, joking about things. For the most part, some self-deprecation. I guess when it comes to women issues uh, in the song self-esteem. Yes, those, are, those are common women's issues. It's yes, their periods. Yes, it's about the glass ceiling as well. Um, but um, no, like in the song self-esteem, you know, it's kind of about uh, a unnamed man in a not-so-good relationship, you know? He's admitting he has no self-esteem. His girlfriend... You know, sleeps with his friends, as they say in the multiple song. times. They say yeah. that song. Wow! But uh, you know, he can't get himself out of it because I because he's in so the parlance good. of our times, he's a cuck. <laughs> or as I would put it, he's in love. What's the difference? And also, you know what? Maybe <laughs> he should just get over it and get himself a poly- polygamous relationship. Hey, yeah, he's a he, he should just be admit he's poly and go get on with life. Hmm. Speaking um, of Polly, what's the next questions? There's a parrot on uh, uh, Stephen's shoulder. This is the part of the episode where we ask our guests to do an impression of Polly Shore. So, Scott, whenever you're ready. Go. Um, the Weasel. Pretty good. There we go. Pretty good. I see him, at, by the way, you know, we'll talk about the uh, Polly Shore. See him at the gym all the time. That's if you want to see, guys, if you want to see Polly Shore... Go to the Hollywood Gold's Gym on the weekend. Where you can also see Ron Perlman. And um, Scott. And Andrew Dice Clay. I've seen him oh, there multiple times. I haven't heard about him, about him being there. Why, Scott, I, I, why Why do you think most people don't like... Oh, do most people not like this band? Or is it just some people who don't like this band? Despite the fact that they've sold like a large amount of records... I feel like people do almost think of them as like semi one hit wonders because it's like, it's just such a like because their peak was basically from ninety four to two thousand or you know they that's their commercial peak anyways so like they have a number of music videos like I said that did very successful and this was at a time where MTV was highly influential for commercial success and a lot of their music videos did pretty well. Um, and several of them are pretty visually interesting. And, uh, I would say that helps out too. Sasha, had you ever heard The Offspring before? I have never. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm a clean, clean slate. Can I ask what year you came to the United States of America? The United States of America? I came in the year of our Lord's 2000. Okay. Pre-9-11. Freshly pre nine eleven. In fact, let's when not, in New York, you were in New York. Let's right? not connect those dots. Well, <laughs> I came to America on September thirteenth, uh, two thousand. I was on the plane, looking out of the window and being super afraid of like the plane sort of shaking and turbulence. And this man sitting next to me said, "Look, don't worry. You are going to the safest place in the world 
New York City. I don't know why you said it. And that was uh, Sully, right? <laughs> Sully Sullenberger. Chesley Sullenberger. Uh, uh, that's yeah. interesting. And then 363 days later, the tower that's, fell. Your math is outstanding. <laughs> that would have been when TRL, Total Request Live on MTV, was in full swing. The Offspring definitely were on that multiple times oh, to promote yeah. their songs. I believe even Look, one time they had a like a, a whole day dedicated to them where they had a like, game show like contests where people like offspring super fans could answer questions to I forgot if it was like win a guitar signed by them or something like that. I do remember that. So I Sasha, used to watch TRL a lot. Sasha, you could have gone down to Times Square and stood outside the studio or maybe on, got invited the, on the street like many people did and they could see you through the window with such luminaries as the naked cowboy. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you could admit and if you if you got lucky to be in the studio and Carson Daly comes up to you, you'd be like, hey, I want to give a shout out to my friends back in uh, Siberia, I guess. Uh, but, you know, anywhere. Instead, I was too busy surviving on my own. All right. Coming to America with $40 in my pocket as a teenager. So yes, Scott, don't you feel foolish now for going on yes. that tangent? So I did not did not spend any time in Times Square. Well, I, I might have spent a good hour out of first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Manhattan altogether, because again, busy surviving, going to Brooklyn College, and all that good stuff. So, the offspring did not penetrate into the uh, Siberian radio market. Not as far as I remember. I mean, if it penetrated, I was not there to receive the penetration. Were there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Were there? prominent american musical acts playing on your local radio when you were growing look, up look i'm just gonna respond to this question with sort of killing two birds with one Great. stone and go to rolling rolling stones readers poll about the 10 worst bands of the 90s and i will tell you which bands i listened to okay. in siberia Great. and spoiler alert for real the Offspring is not on this list. What is on the list? I'm interested now. Here we go. Yeah, I'm Read st- them I'll off. start with Are ten. Are you gonna start with ten? And I'll go start with ten. Time. Dave Matthews Band. So this is the readers, right? This is not the Rolling Stone people themselves, not the journalists, this not the musicians. Movie critic Peter Travers. So they. No. This is submitted by the readers. So this. It's interesting that Dave Matthews Band is on there because, again, that's a wildly successful band that is still touring and very successful. Most of. Uh, Half of the bi- whoa! I just saw number five. Uh, we will all talk about it in a second. So, Dave Matthews Band, right? Never really heard it in Siberia. That's Somebody good. might have. That's I did good. not. Ace of Base, yes, and fucking loved it. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. I was like, as a twelve-year-old. How, how how can that be? I'm sorry, but they're great. I don't understand how they're the been, one of the worst bands of the '90s. They're just pop music because they're that, just cheesy and they rip off of ABBA. And I mean, but like, I love it every time. Like I hear bi- like, what's the their... sign. Spin Doctors don't even know who they are. Honestly, that's a, that's a very '90s band. Yeah, yeah. Bush, not sure who that who they are. Ms. Mr. Gwen Stefani, ex. formerly, formerly. Yeah. Hootie and the Blowfish, familiar with the name, can't tell you exactly what their songs are. Hold they, my hand. It's this is a band that like. You understand why people put it on this poll. It's almost Probably like just a like, reflexive, ha, 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 yeah. they suck. Nirvana. And Rolling Stones, yeah. people were very upset about Nirvana making on those. Like the, the guy Nirvana or the woman. That's crazy. The people who were like, they're like freaking out about, you know, so understandably just, so. 
they were freaking out about the, the fact that Nirvana made us on this list, right? I mean, hello. And at number, not even just like on the list, they're in the bottom five. So this is just, again, how, how was this done? Self-submitted? I don't think we know the methodology. Okay. We don't know. That. And I Maybe would it's say a lot of Pearl it's, Jam fans it's ridiculous because Nirvana, I knew Nirvana in Siberia, loved it, listened. I mean, didn't listen to it a lot, but it did penetrate Siberian uh, whatever bubble. Mm-hmm. Hanson. No, I had to research, and it's it's few like cute boys that look like girls, right? You've Super never interesting. Heard the song Mbop? I I I know they had a couple other charting songs, but that is very much like a one-hit wonder. So it's weird to say they're one of the worst bands of the nineties mm. based off of a song. Well, and also from what I've uh, heard from people who do like music, the Hanson Brothers still make music yes, today, they, and yes. it is. And they still tour. Well regarded. Yes. And then what year was this list made? Do you know? Would you continue going up the list while I... Yeah, next, number three on the list is Limp Biscuit. Okay, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, Nickelback. Often uh, compared that... to The Offspring, I noticed on Reddit. Really? Yeah, on Reddit. I Just did like notice for that. for reputation-wise? Yes. Because well, musically, they're Then that goes into my belief, then. That I, that it's affirming that like lots of people do not like the Offspring. Although it's interesting yeah. that Nickelback would be there because I feel like their most successful charting songs were all in the two thousands. Yeah, I, I, I don't is, even know if anything weird. charted pre like two thousand four. No, mostly it was people on Reddit saying that hey, the Offspring is not bad because Nickelback is worse. Like it's constantly like oh, people oh were like, saying uh, like that. Yeah. Herpes isn't so bad if you have. <laughs> the human immunodeficiency. Yeah. Uh, and number one here. Oh my uh, god, 2019. It's a freaking 2019 oh, list. This poll is from I, this year. I, I had no idea. Wow. People are still mad about Mbop in the year 2019. <laughs> uh, Scott, number one on this list, the worst band of the 90s is Creed. I mean, it's a pretty um, boilerplate, like, these bands suck list. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that, like, well, people have been saying uh, Hanson is bad for the last 19 years, so I'll put them on my list. Uh, So interesting that Nirvana's on this list. Yeah. Inexplicable, really. Almost, like, vengeful. Uh, by the way, like how you remind me, which is the Nickelback uh-huh. song. This is how you remind me. Their big hit, like really their first really big hit, was two thousand one. So I mean, it's weird that. Well, it's a the trauma call. of yeah. Nickelback is so powerful it predates into the nineties. <laughs> but I was gonna say because of Limp Bizkit coming up, uh, one other thing with the uh, the Offspring, why their commercial decline occurred is because it's kind of like that pop punk style went out of favor in that early 2000s as well because you get Limp Bizkit, you get corn, you get the rap rock, you get and then now we're trapped with evil vile people like Kid Rock still somehow relevant. I'd much rather have Dexter Holland running for Congress oh, than we Kid know. Rock. Oh, we know. Much rather have a PhD. Yeah. Than, slash uh, pilot slash marathon slash hot sauce allegedly. entrepreneur. So he says. Uh, yeah, the hot sauce is the only one that I believe. Steven. What is your familiarity with this band? Yeah, I mostly knew them for their funnier, sillier songs, like Pretty Fly for a White Guy. I'd seen some of their videos on MTV back when I was a child, and MTV played music videos. I never took them very seriously as musical act. 
And this is the first time that I had ingested any of their music outside of those. So Sasha, did you come up, have you come up with a scale for this? It was very easy for me to come up with a scale because I just put the, the Ramones at 10. Okay. That's a straight up punk Fair. band. Fair and I know, you know, decades separate them from... I mean, that's not really... Keep them separated. It's pretty unfair. It's like uh, you're putting well, you want, like... The, the Beatles? F- okay, I'll put the Beatles. No, no, no I'm saying you're putting like the foundations of like... When, when something Scott, established... This is the point. This okay. is the point okay. is okay. to find what is the max on the scale and then Personally, put, for everybody. Put, put the subject into context. You can, okay. you can put anything else you want at 10. You can put Osprey at 10 if you want, Scott. Well, we I'm, want you to, in fact. It will be upset if you don't. Yeah. If you give, <laughs> if you give the Osprey anything less than a 12... We're gonna delete this okay. episode. I want to hear what. Uh, let's let's. We'll get play going it in reverse. We'll publish it in reverse. It's just gonna be nonsense talk. Yeah. So if uh, Ramones, which I admire and often listen to, and I do find like Ramones, you know, like their songs sound similar to each other. Like sure. you know, as amazing of a band as they are, and but kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. Before I give the number, I'm gonna say that what I did enjoy. The video Hammerhead, disturbing video because I like disturbing things. And I enjoyed the very disturbing Bad Habit song. I also liked, you know, the energy behind it. I just like punk, you know. And I don't know. I don't know. To me, it's not pure punk. I still feel like it's a little cheese ball. I feel like it's almost too mathematical and there's not enough soul behind it. It's just like, well, yeah, a scientist guy picks up a, you know, a couple of drums and whatever and starts... (laughs) Making, you know, music and calls it a music because it's, you know... The first caveman picking up a... <laughs> it's a legitimate music, but I just don't find it interesting or different. It doesn't stand out to me. So if the Ramones are 10, and I take into consideration that the, I do love the energy behind the offspring. Like, there's certain just, like, drum beats that I'm like, yeah. I, it's I, up. I, I like it's it. up tempo. It's fast. There's yeah, the, they I do like that. The vocal harmonizing that uh, several other bands kind of in that like like bad religion. He's trying to. Say, he's trying that. to up my my. Well, theory. no, but they he's they do they do those argument. like O's, like the oh like that type of mm-hmm. punk music uh, like the that was a very popular thing. The vocal harmonizing. I want to give it a five, but I can't, so I will <laughs> give it a four. <laughs> so what's like a one? Well, I don't know. What is Whatever one? you just oh, okay. did when you sang. Uh... <laughs> it wasn't that bad, actually. No, I'm going to give right, it a Steven, four. Let's hear your rating. Yeah. Steven, what about you? I put points on ambition. And trying. Yeah, which I don't necessarily think the Osprey are doing a lot of. Wow. Um, no, I mean, look, the Ramones are a good 10 for this. Um, in which case, uh, you know what? You know what? I'm feeling generous. I'll give them a five. Someone had to. <laughs> right. Five. Five. Nooch. It's super nooch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super nooch. I uh, I didn't hate it. You know, at no point listening to it was I upset. Um, you know, there did come a time where I got a little bored with it. Sure. So sure. Uh, five. Five's where I'm at. Scott. More importantly, our guest, our special guest with no biography, Scott. You can see one. Uh, I told them you, in my biography, you could put that I was on James Corden once. 
and it's still giving it's like true. so watch that youtube video i think i might get like a couple bucks in the mail in a few months if you do you get money you get residuals off people watching the youtube video well i got one for, it said like the online thing yeah wow so anyway, Scott's on a James Corden video. Good luck, listeners. Adam Scott. It's Adam Scott also. So he guesses if my name is Adam or Scott. He's going to get really $7,000, Adam Scott, if you watch that video. Scott will get $2. So mm-hmm. go ahead and do it. Yeah, get Scott $2. Uh, okay, so so uh, Scott from James Corden tonight, what rating do you give The Offspring? In eight. What's a ten? Yeah, what, what's a ten for you? Well, we're just talking all music? I, no, no, no. You can make the scale whatever you want. You know, is it pop well, we're including. It... You're including all music, so I'm going to include all music. Great. Scott, let's lose the aggressive uh, attitude I'm not right aggressive. Now. I'm just stating the facts. This is what we're talking about. I think the re- being... Sasha putting the Ramones at a ten was more about the punk side rather than all music. I'll I'll include all music in human okay. history. Mozart, yes, uh, Mozart, the first caveman, Weird Al, bonking a skull with a bone. This the speak- sound you made earlier. Ooh. Yeah. This speaks more to how much you like it. So good. Mm-hmm. We're happy. Yeah. Are you happy, Scott? Mm-hmm. Stephen, yeah. uh, would you like to um, maybe talk about something that that you find underrated and or appreciated and you would like to recommend to our listeners. Sure, something, uh, the as we mentioned earlier, uh, the movie Good Boys, uh, which I assume is doing well. And so instead, I'd like to direct people toward the movie Booksmart. Both Good Boys and Booksmart are kind of like a takeoff of a super bad style, uh, crazy night comedy. Um, and whereas Good Boys is like... The middle school version, Booksmart, was, quote-unquote, you know, the girl version. And uh, it's really good. It's, it, uh, you know, it's touching and it's really funny and uh, is surprising how well-directed it is, which is no, no intended shade toward Olivia Wilde. Just surprising when, whenever an actor's directorial debut is impressive. And uh, I recommend people check it out because it did not do that well when it was released. Sasha... Anything that you'd like to direct our listeners toward? Not connected to anything we mentioned today. Sure. I would like to recommend this Finnish comedian called Ismo. I-S-M-O. Now, you don't have to watch a whole body of work that he's created. But I do love his video where he talks about ass as the most complicated word in American English. It sounds very simplistic when I talk about it, but I think it's absolutely hilarious and simple. And he just really catches the perspective of an immigrant trying to figure out how to sound cool in American English once they arrive. And, you know, he does it with like sort of innocence of a child. And I think it's very, very laugh out loud funny. So I highly recommend Ismo. Ass is the most complicated word in American English. Find it on YouTube. Great. Scott, anything you would like to plug as we close down the old shut up, I love it operation for the day? I think a lot of people reflexively say the coconut flavor of LaCroix is the worst. Drink it really cold. Chill it. 
Ice cold. It's great. This is your plug? Yeah. He he misunderstood what we asked him. It's okay. <laughs> no, it's underappreciated. Do you want to you don't want to plug like your Twitter or anything like that? Nah, my yeah. tweets are bad. You don't want to follow me. That's true. As someone who follows Scott, uh well, um, you can catch all of us at the Moving Arts Theater on Hyperion Avenue in Silver Lake, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. every second and fourth Thursday at nine o'clock mm-hmm. in the evening. The team direct to video will do an improvised movie for you. Thank you, Elizabeth Salud, for artwork. Thank you, Andrew Hayworth, for our music. Thank you, Carlton Gillespie, for promo videos. Thank you, Jay Hunter, for production assistance. And thank you for listening. <laughs>